you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. But I've got to believe that Kellen Moore is keeping the ball in Herbert's hands. They fake the handoff. Everett wide open. Touchdown, L.A. The rookie, Brandon Aubrey, is good. That kid has been sensational. Two for two tonight. And that 39-yarder puts Dallas on top by three. No sacks by the defense at all. They've handled him. No sacks at San Francisco either. And here it is. Right on cue. Parsons. His first, the Cowboys first, and what a time for it. Now third down and 10. First sack of the night, Herbert gets rid of it, and he's picked. Intercepted by the Cowboys. The catch is good. That's the tale of what happened on Monday night at SoFi Stadium as Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys get a little bit of help from their defense when they needed it most. Hang on for a 20-17 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers, a game that was fraught with errors on both sides, but the Cowboys score a much-needed win coming off of that blowout loss last week to the San Francisco 49ers. I'm Nick Shook here with the Monday Night Recap, along with pleasure to be joined by Jane Slater and Jane, I'll tell you what, uh, it wasn't the prettiest game, but the Cowboys, they held on. They, they they were able to get the job done. Defense once again bailing them out here, Nick. Uh, you know, at some point we're going to talk about what happened with the Cowboys heading into the half. It didn't need to be this hard. That sort of has been the story for the Cowboys this year. It's been easy for them to beat up on some of the lesser teams. Uh, of course, they didn't catch the break with the 49ers last week, and then we now learned that the 49ers are dealing with injuries. Uh, to some of their key players, Christian McCaffrey, namely one of them. Uh, but here the Cowboys coming to town. They're facing Kellen Moore and the Chargers, which if anyone followed this saga last year, the biggest indictment of Kellen Moore was he wasn't running the ball enough, that this was a guy that wanted to light up the scoreboard. Tonight we didn't really see either team lighting up the scoreboard, did we, Nick? But what we did see was Cowboys, as you said, sort of gut through this one, uh, fraught with errors, fraught with uh, penalties, some questionable coaching decisions. Uh, but for me, it was good to see them finally get the ball to CeeDee Lamb after last week him expressing his frustration. We saw it 
on the sidelines. We heard about Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott talking to him about his body language, the need to lead, the understanding that they need to get him the ball. By the way, that paid off seven receptions for 117 yards. He was averaging 16.7 in this one. Uh, but also more important, Brandon Cooks. Uh, his name has been on a bit of a milk carton here lately. Haven't really seen him involved. They finally got him uh, here late involved in the game. And then, of course, the defense finally stepping up. They didn't have much of a pass rush all night, but Micah Parsons with the big one that helped seal this one off. Yeah, you know, it was funny. Early in that game, it felt like C.D. Lamb was the only guy on the field for the Cowboys, at least when it concerned Dak Prescott where he was going to throw the football. It was just, all right, we're throwing to C.D. here. We're throwing to C.D. over the middle. He's on the sideline. Nobody else exists. Of course, uh, Michael Gallup didn't really help him out at all with the uh, lack of playmaking ability, uh, you know, with contested catches or just not jumping for the ball when it was placed in a perfect spot. Whatever it was, they were able to rely on C.D. Lamb until Brandon Cooks got involved with that goal line touchdown. Nice little mesh concept where he runs through the defense gets some natural picks and catches his first touchdown pass as a cowboy uh you know this offense overall though you you talked about the fact that uh Kellen Moore didn't like to run the ball that much well Tony Pollard didn't necessarily get going either when I talk about how ugly this game was uh th there wasn't exactly a ton of success on the ground for either team but you want to go back to that revenge element Dan Quinn has Kellen Moore's number right now. He had his number throughout the night. If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, who's going to know an offensive coordinator that you're facing? The defensive coordinator that went against you in practice for years. That's who's going to know. And he knew for sure there was a play fourth and one chargers deep in the Cowboys red zone where Kellen Moore dials up a rollout to the short side of the field to the right, gives him two options to throw to a shallow crosser and a little bit deeper of a crosser. And then Keenan Allen going across the field. That would have been a prayer based on how the Cowboys were getting after Justin Herbert all night. That would have been a prayer for him to stop and make that throw. And of course, Keenan Allen was double covered. Deron Bland, who's having a fantastic season, steps in to make that uh, deflection and, and force the turnover on downs. But it is nice to see that Cowboys offense not just rely on CeeDee Lamb, especially in the second half. You know what was the, what stood out to me the most, though, Jane, was the fact that Dak Prescott, who I'm sure, as you know, makes one or two too many hero plays from time to time trust himself a little bit too much to get out of some sticky situations that actually paid off for him in this game because he did find Tony Pollard with a nice little dump off over the middle under duress a 60 yard gain that quickly flipped the script in favor of the Cowboys set them up for that touchdown and really uh, took a tie game and put the Cowboys in a, in a bit of leverage in that fourth quarter that was an incredible play and it was one that could have gone awry you know it was it was Dak Prescott trying to extend that play, extend that drive. And as you said, Pollard was able to, I don't know how he did it, uh, but grab that ball and put that in the end zone or get it get it close to there uh, with the 60 yards. So love seeing that from him. But again, I think that there were a lot of other curious instances. I mean, we talked about that one connection. What was it? Uh, Tony Pollard when it was a little bit overthrown there. Uh, where was that one? Uh, yeah, well, you had the wide open Pollard who couldn't grab it. They ended up settling for the 39-yard field goal. It looked like Dak just kind of overthrew that one. We saw that last week uh, with Dak. Sometimes the ball placement from Dak has been interesting. Troy Aitman even weighing in on a little bit in the broadcast, talking about, you know, they've talked so much, and I can attest to this, covering that team this year, so much about the timing with the receivers. But the timing has still felt like, it's not exactly there, Nick. Are you seeing that when you're watching some of these games? I actually felt like some of his throws tonight were were pinpoint, and they just, uh, you know, we talked about the Michael Gallup thing where he just wasn't making the play. But, yeah, it is hit or miss with them. That throw specifically you were mentioning, 
outside shoulder to a place where only his guy can go get it, but his guy's got to be, you know, superhuman to make that catch. You're dealing with Tony Pollard. He's not exactly a six foot four pass catcher over there. He's going to make an acrobatic catch like that, especially a difficult one over the shoulder. Uh, so it was kind of a mixed bag from Dak. That's kind of how his season's been. I mean, there's been a couple games where I've been like, hey, He's gone out and actually won them this game. There's been some other games where he's done enough to help them win. The defense has done a really good job in some of those contests. And tonight, though, uh, he stepped up when he needed to. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I felt you know better about it. Uh, it's it's a nice step in the right direction for the Cowboys and concerning Dak and, and an offense that you know they they improved at receiver in the offseason, right? Because they knew that all they had last year was CD and yet they also lost Ezekiel Elliott and and the running game, not as much of an element. So they're still trying to figure it out, I think, a little bit with Mike McCarthy now back in charge of calling the plays. But, Jane, I got to go to the other side of the, the field here. I got to go to the Chargers because, look, I, I as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, as you can see, I'm a bald man. I'm a bald <laughs> man because my hairline betrayed me at a premature time in my early 20s. I am going to go progressively balder if I have to watch the Chargers perform the way they did, starting with Justin Herbert, who was just not dialed in. You want to talk about you know being a little bit off? That was Justin Herbert tonight. Whether he was under pressure or whether he had time to throw, just routinely missing guys that are open. Keenan Allen, wide open down the sideline in a must-have situation, misses him. He missed him three times, I think, in this game. And he wasn't the only guy that he missed. And of course, you know, he ends with the interception in which he was under pressure, but it probably one of Justin Herbert's worst performances of his career. And considering that Mike Williams is no longer with this team because of his ACL injury, it's pretty concerning when you look ahead because they have no run game to speak of. I mean, when Austin Eckler is on the field in the past, their offense has been a little bit better, but tonight he was on the field and it didn't matter. And that's a credit to the Cowboys defense, but it's also highly concerning for a Chargers offense that's going to have to go win them some football games, especially if you're going to overcome some of the aggressive decisions made by Brandon Staley, which we didn't get a ton of those tonight, but we've seen how that's put them in, in bad spots in the past. Well, and what's interesting is, you know, this game started off, it was defense. They allow, It's three and out, you know, Cowboys opening drive. Then you've got the first drive, you get the touchdown set up the 26-yard return, and you're thinking to yourself, man, the Chargers are coming out and establishing themselves early, but then it seemed like the Cowboys had an answer for them. They sort of started to settle in. Uh, but as much as you are concerned about, uh, you know, Justin Herbert and his play, I'm sorry. I still am just not sold on this Cowboys team. I'm like – and I That's always fair. feel like I'm I feel like I'm kind of watching something different than some of the people that are obviously from here and cowboy fans and when I talk to people uh that I surround myself with, but they still don't give me a lot of confidence. I mean, we're talking about this is probably one of Justin Herbert's worst games. They were able to overcome the fact that I mean the pass rush you want to talk about may not have come alive for the Cowboys until when they need it at the end of this game. You had a pass rush from the Chargers, they had five sacks in this one. Um I just I still have concerns about this Cowboys offensive line, about some of their uh, untimely penalties, the fact that they keep forcing this ball to Michael Gallup, which we have seen, and I don't know what they're going to do with Michael Gallup, Nick. Uh, I'm a huge Michael Gallup fan. Yeah. I've been on the record of saying that, but ever since he got injured and then he was dealing with some stuff off the field um, from a personal standpoint, it just feels like, and we were told he was springy at camp, it feels like he's lost his step a little bit. Yeah. And so again, like even though they won this game against the Chargers, it was hard fought. They, you know, it was three different ties and, you know, they were able to overcome some bonehead decisions by their coach. I still just don't know what to make of this team. 
And I, I don't know fair. what to make of this division, right? Because we just yeah. saw the Eagles get beat by the Jets yesterday. Um, so I do think that's what's going to be interesting. But I think more importantly for the Cowboys, whether this was an ugly game or not, it was a win. And they needed that win after the loss of the 49ers last week ahead of this bye. Because when they come off the bye, Nick, they've got to go face the Eagles on the road. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier for them. That's kind of the NFL in a nutshell. Well, that's I mean, after in- the Rams game. Let me walk you back. You've got yeah. Rams yeah. next at home. Then you, go you know what? I don't don't discount the Rams. Matthew Stafford's playing some really good football right now, and I know that they don't have as much talent as some of the other teams in the NFL, but they're a tough out on a weekly basis, at least to this point. But, you know, that's we're, it's week six. It was a weird week in the NFL. We get one or two of these weeks in the first half of every season, and it just decided to be week six this year. Like I, I said, we were on the Around the NFL podcast last night, and I was like, you know, we're pretty close to closing that parody circle, that graphic that comes out when every team's beating a team that's beating a team and goes all the way around the circle. Just because of games like this, there's no, money, no more undefeated teams you know there are randomly competitive teams like the cardinals and then there's teams like the cowboys who you think on paper should be better and yet they have not established themselves you know at a level of consistency that you expect from a team that has to face the defending nfc champions in their own division and that game coming up very quickly as you just said you know i'm not sure where my concerns lie with them i think you make a great point about michael gallup and and the fact that you know he does look like he lost a step i mean he does look like he's just not the same guy he was and i was one of the biggest fans right there next to you of him in previous years and was really bummed when he did get injured and he just you know sometimes those injuries just take a toll it takes a while for somebody to find their footing again sometimes they never do which would be a very big disappointment you know regarding the the arc of his career but I don't think that that is going to be something that necessarily sinks them. It's more about them playing, you know, complementary football. Some games it's been the defense. Some games it's been the offense. That defense is talented. I mean, they got a ton of studs on that side of the ball, even with the additions they made in the offseason. Stephon Gilmore comes up with the, the game ceiling interception tonight. It's just that I guess we can sit back and say, well, it's only week six. And as long as you stack a win here and another one here and maybe you take a tough loss here, you stay in the hunt you at least afford yourself the time to start to figure it out. I feel like that's what a Cowboys uh, you know, team is going to be under Mike McCarthy, is one that hopefully peaks later rather than earlier. It's just a question of where does it come from, uh, because right now it's, it's hit or miss depending on the week. I will give them some credit, though, Gene. I know that it took them forever to get their first sack of the night. They did make a difference. You know, when it came to the pass rush, they were racking up pressures. They just weren't getting home. And, you know, some credit is due to Justin Herbert for being able to evade that or get the ball out when, you know, there's no other option but either to take a sack or throw the ball, you know, into the abyss. He's still able to get it out from time to time. So, I, you know, they, they, they impacted the game. It just didn't show up from a statistical standpoint. Of course, you know, naturally, when everybody's focusing on how Micah Parsons has one tackle and hasn't done anything, he does get the sack. That's, you know, that's just how I think football goes sometimes. So I'm right there with you. I am concerned. I'm not sold. I think that's what I would like to pitch this as is I'm not sold on them yet. I just, I'm still looking for a decisive win from them against it. I get an opponent that I consider is a legitimate postseason team because in Dallas, it's not enough to have a 12 and five season you need to go deep in the postseason, particularly because of the way the postseason has gone the last two years. And I think for a lot of people in Dallas, a lot of people are selling the Cowboys, not buying them, because in order to get to your ultimate goal, which is hoisting up the Lombardi, you're going to have to get through the 49ers likely. And it felt like you were completely, their performance was so underwhelming that you found yourself wondering if some of these other games were outliers. But if you think about it, they face the Jets right after Aaron Rodgers' injury. So Zach Wilson was likely seeing ghosts that week. That was that was on a sh- that 
I think that was unexpected for Zach, and I think they were still filling themselves out in that one. I mean, I think we already know what level of play the Patriots are doing this year. The Giants. Uh, who else have they played so far? Uh, they got Giants, Jets, the Cardinals, which is a, a shocking but, loss, but it's because they the got Cardinals, gashed on the ground. But the Cardinals, I think, are better than a lot of this gave them credit for this offseason. They're, they're scrappy, that's for sure. And so, again, I, I think that the Rams is going to be very interesting because Jerry Jones was beside himself a couple of years ago when Jason Garrett lost on the road to the Rams in the postseason. And it was then I was told that Jerry Jones was ready to move on from Garrett and they gave him one more year. And then we know how that went. Uh, so I think if they were to lose by a large margin to the Rams ahead of the Eagles, this would be very, very interesting in Dallas. That's why they absolutely needed that win against the Chargers on the road tonight because you kind of find yourself going, was Kellen Moore the one we let get away? He yeah. always had this offense in the top five. And, I mean, now you're looking at the middle of the pack offense, which is what essentially Mike McCarthy set the table for heading into the season. He wanted an above-average defense, and he wanted somewhere in the middle offense. And that's what you've gotten. It just hasn't felt like explosive games. It feels like everything is harder. And then the question I have for you, Nick, and this is why I was looking forward to doing the show with you after, I think some of us are wondering, you say publicly you trust your quarterback. If you trust your quarterback and you're going into the half and you've got eight seconds left, they go ahead and they stop the clock, assuming that with your two timeouts, you're going to do something about it. Mike says, I don't want it. And then they settle for a field goal. Why would we've, you do that when you've got a franchise quarterback who's been in Dallas for eight years? So we've had two instances of this happening in the last 24 hours. The other one being Brian Dable letting the clock run down to 30 seconds last night, uh, calling a timeout when there was 44 seconds when he could have called a timeout, and then it cost them on the goal line when Tyrod Taylor checks to a run, they don't get it, they run out of time. But it's funny that you mentioned this because um, I <laughs> had a – Notable former NFL quarterback slide into my DMs the other day. And I still haven't replied to him. I, I'm prepared to. I just you left. You left. Did you leave him on red? I, 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 you know, unintentionally, I left him on red. Yes, I actually. What a flex! I crafted a serious response. I just did not have time to send it off over the weekend. But he made the argument. It was related to Kirk Cousins because I had written something about Kirk Cousins and the potential of the Vikings trading him because they're just not that good of a football team. He's an expiring year. All that. And he immediately jumped to the deck comparison. And I was like, oh, I mean, I've heard this before. And and basically what he said was, you know, Kirk and Dak are the same guy, which they're totally different quarterbacks, but it's the same ceiling, which is that they can win you games, but they're not going to win you important games. They're not going to win you championships. They might help you win a division title if everything around them is good, but they're never going to elevate the team to that elite level. And I don't necessarily disagree. And I think that you may see a little bit of that with a decision like this tonight. And, you know, I think about the money and everything else, and that's fine. And an extension that could be coming up, maybe not. I'm not sold on deck. I've really never been sold. I see the potential, and I don't think it's ever going to be reached for a number of different reasons. But in this instance tonight, what, what have we known that he's been prone to do from time to time? Take risks that end up, you know, producing turnovers. And in that instance, you want to make sure that you have an opportunity to get some points on the board instead of letting him take a risk. But my biggest issue in that sequence was, the fact that they played it so conservatively, they never even gave themselves a shot at the end zone. And then he lets the clock run down. But the even more con concerning and conflicting of all of it was ahead of that. Remember, they went for it on fourth and one. That's when they tried to do the little tush push and it didn't work for them. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody uh, needs to stop being the Eagles, by the way. You're not exactly. the Eagles. Exactly. It, I think everyone's got that play in their playbook now. 
you know it's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. They go for it on fourth and one. They trust Dak there. They don't trust him again right before you're heading in the half. And that's the second half didn't have to be so hard. I mean, we were talking earlier that third quarter, the fact they got in only five plays and they had negative yards to finish it. I mean, the Chargers absolutely controlled uh, the time of possession in the third quarter. It again, it just it sometimes this offense just feels so stagnant to me. It feels very conservative to me. That's why I love to see Dak. You don't want to see Dak putting his body on the line every time, but it was nice to see him rush there and get that, what was it, 18-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. at one point. Seeing him use his legs, that's what made him so great uh, his rookie season. It's almost like they sort of started putting him in bubble wrap, and I get it after the injury that he had against the Giants a couple of years ago. It was gruesome. It was awful to watch. I knew it was a tough recovery. And then, of course, he had a couple of other injuries after that. But it was nice to see him sort of use his legs because I think that's what makes him special at times because he is an athletic quarterback. And I just feel like maybe they've handcuffed him a little bit this year. Yeah, um, I mean, first rushing touchdown since week eight of 2022. You know, Jane, here's a fun stat from NFL Research, the fine folks over there. The Cowboys are now 21-4 and when Dak scores a rushing touchdown, which proves the point that you just made. (laughs) I mean, and what it really, I think, speaks to is the way McCarthy has, has approached this team for, I don't know, maybe the last two maybe three seasons coaching not to lose instead of coaching to win and it's it's very you know you see it often the flip side of that coin is Brandon Staley going for it in situations in which you're like why are you going for it on fourth down on your own 25 and they're like well the analytics say it and then you go into next gen stats and it's like actually next gen stats is that because of the how it could affect the game it is a better decision to go for because you can end it effectively right there even if you know logic says otherwise so he I has an that- impressive fourth down and go for it number. I think I saw during the broadcast. I don't have it at the top of my head, but I think he is Mr. Fourth down guy. Oh, he is. He defines analytics driven fourth down decisions. That guy will go for it quicker than anybody else in the NFL, which may end up costing him his job if they don't turn things. <laughs> I mean, they're, it's not like they're a losing team right now, but it's not looking too good. But back to your point about that. I, I just think that that's the way McCarthy kind of coaches. I even felt like he was like that in green Bay for a stretch, which kind of led to his departure from there. And that's probably just what you're going to get. You're going to get him also burning timeouts at weird times and going into the fourth quarter of a tie game with one timeout left, which he lucked out. That did not burn him tonight. But, you know, in some state, in some instances, it will. So uh, I think that's that's something that you have to accept. But what's funny to me that came to mind earlier when you were talking about the feeling around this team, I'm in Cleveland where everybody's you know, hopes and dreams rest on the Browns. Like I, I'm, I live within the city limits. My neighbor right behind me is a diehard Browns fan. Everybody wants to talk about the Browns at the gym, anywhere. And it's all about the next game. And let me tell you, the lead up to last week's game was depressing. And when they won, everybody here is on cloud nine. It's funny to me that the whole feeling around an entire season and team that uh, an area identifies so deeply with can rest on the most recent result and why this win was so important, like you said, but it just makes me laugh that at the same time, there's more people selling than buying. There's more people that are skeptical than not. The expectations are different. I understand the drought of not getting past the divisional round of the playoffs. And look, that's got to be painful. But at the same time, it's just so, I mean, people care about the NFL so much. It just makes me laugh to think, man, people really are uptight about a Cowboys team that just went and got a a gritty win. Well, and the morning after no matter how ugly the win is, a W makes all the difference. Because if they had actually lost this game, I think our narrative about Dak would be a little different. Our narrative about the play calling will be a little bit different. But it's sort of like putting a little bit of a lipstick on a pig when they win the game because 
I think we would be having a very different conversation. Micah Parsons didn't have that sack, and they blew uh, their three-point lead there at the end. Uh, I just, you know, going back to what you're saying about Dak, sometimes I'm a huge Dak fan. Off the field, incredible guy. But when I'm beginning to look at his body of work, his body language last week against the 49ers, it just, for whatever reason, feels like things have been hard. And granted, he's been through so many different offensive court. I mean, I like we're talking Scott Linehan, Wade Wilson, John Kitna, Doug Nussmeyer, all of this, now Schottenheimer, all these guys in his ear, Scott Tolzien in his <laughs> ear. You know, he works in the offseason on the footwork. He, I know he's got a lot of messaging coming in. And when you're a player for the Dallas Cowboys, you also see it, read it. You tell everybody you don't pay attention to it. You compartmentalize. I don't believe that for a second. But it is interesting to me that if you looked at his career, getting his team to the postseason the way that he has, the way that he typically does play, if he was playing for the Panthers, would Dak be under the same level of scrutiny about who no. he is as a quarterback and as as a player if he was playing for the Panthers? No, absolutely not. And I also think that his path to this position makes a difference because nobody, when he came out of Mississippi State, nobody was like, yeah, Dakota Rain Prescott, he's going to be the future of the Cowboys. And then he was. And then he got the money. Remember the 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 conversation around his contract extension at the uh, time? $40 million a year, you out of your mind? Well, that's what he got. I mean, he had to take a franchise tag for it, but that's what he got. It's it's He's always been fighting against that, I think. And he would do himself a whole lot of good if he went and won a Super Bowl, but he hasn't yet. And because he plays for the Cowboys, he is constantly going to be under that microscope. That's what you get when you wear I mean, I don't have to tell you. You know this. When you wear the star on your helmet, that's what you get. It, it, it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of the situation. Well, and I think a lot of people that are Dak fans, Dak stands, <laughs> they are particularly sensitive to the comparisons between him and Kirk Cousins. And I get that. Oh, I, I, I but, hit a nerve. Unintentionally but, hit a nerve. But if you look at he and Kirk Cousins, they are a little similar lately. You know, uh, and even just their their willingness to bet on themselves. I mean, there is this sort of mentality uh that is very similar. They're also both very well liked in their locker room ad nauseum, but it's their inability to win some of those big games and their inability to win and extend in the postseason that I do think sort of puts Dak in that Kirk Cousins tier. And again, I would argue that if he was playing for another team, just as I was saying, his career wouldn't be as scrutinized. I don't think that you would be comparing him. I don't know why the Kirk Cousins thing is such a knock. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins has actually done a pretty good job oh. there in Minnesota and throughout yeah. his career. Yeah. Uh, but for whatever reasons, people love to to bag on Kirk. But I do wonder that if Dak was playing somewhere like the Browns or the Panthers and he had put up the same numbers and their resume, if there would be so much scrutiny about his play, good or bad. From a national Just, um, perspective. Visualize no. it, putting his yes. put a different yeah. jersey on him. Yeah. From a national perspective, especially with the Panthers, no. Um, I think locally, if he was with a team like the Browns or the Steelers, yeah, they'd be all over him, just like they're all over Deshaun Watson in this town right now. Um, but from a national perspective, no. And that's just the price you pay for being the Cowboys because the Cowboys generate you know, the most clicks, the most views. That's just who they are. They got a massive fan base that fills SoFi Stadium when the Chargers play because they apparently have more Cowboys fans in the area, which does not surprise me, than Chargers fans in the Los Angeles area. So... It, it, it you're right and perhaps it's a bit unfair but that's also kind of what his football fate has led him to and because he had success early um that's just the path that's been set forth for him and he's just had to travel that it's just that 
I don't know, and we're getting way ahead of it here, and I admit that, but I don't know what happens a year from now, two years from now. Like, it could look vastly different. The same pressure will be applied to the next quarterback that plays for the Cowboys. One thousand percent. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I find myself for Cowboy fans that say, you know, even like after the 49ers game, a lot of people are ready to move on from Dak Prescott. My whole argument is what else are you going to go get? What do you want? And I don't know if Trey Lance is mature enough. Mm. I don't know him that well personally, but I don't know if he has the type of shoulders, you know, the, the broad shoulders that you have to have to wear the star on your helmet and the scrutiny that comes with it. You know, Dak, even as he came in as sort of a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed rookie, he felt mature beyond his years. And he's talked about this, you know, as it relates to his mother and what he went through growing up. Uh, He just always felt like he was ready to step into that opportunity and he could handle it. I don't know if Trey is. Now, granted, Trey took a lot of hits in San Francisco and the media scrutiny leading up to the draft. So there are elements to him that he has... He understands that. But think how much we were talking about a third-string quarterback getting traded to Dallas. Like, it's it's always a big deal. And so – and and then the argument of, well, who would want Dak? I bet you Sean Payton would pick up the phone. I bet Sean Payton would love a, a Dak Prescott right now. Oh, I mean, there's going to be a team that's going to be in the market for Dak Prescott, but just show me what other quarterback you want to bring to Dallas. And my argument is you can't cut him. It's going to hit you too much in the books, but I just, I'm like you, I, I've got questions marks about what it's going to look like moving forward. And I just hope that his career doesn't ultimately end the way that Tony Romo's did, which Ooh. was started to feel like he couldn't win the big games. Yeah. Uh, the reason why Dak was so energizing for the locker room is when Romo felt like he, he was more often losing games for you. Dak gave you the sense that he was going to win more of those games for you in the fourth quarter. But here lately, I don't know if those of us that cover this team, fans, have as much trust as we did in Dak early on in his career. And I don't know if that's Dak. I don't know if that's his receivers. I don't know if it's the coaching, quite frankly. And so I think that's the hard part is, like, it's always, what is it? Last year, I would pin a lot of the blame on the personnel. I don't think he had enough options once they traded away Amari Cooper for peanuts amounting in the form of fifth round picks um they they he didn't really have anybody to go to it was a glaring need uh i don't think that's necessarily the issue now and i think it goes back to what we kind of discussed earlier which is that since the injury and since everything else you know what energized him and the cowboys when he first came in was his ability to do both to throw and to run and he's not running that much he scores a touchdown tonight key touchdown for them early in this game but are you going to see that from a, on a week-to-week basis? Probably not. And that goes back to the conservative coaching style, right? So, Because you want to preserve your quarterback above all. You don't want to be in a position where you have to go to you know, somebody like a Trey Lance in a big spot and, and or you know, like they were last year when they had to go to Cooper Rush for a little bit. You, you don't want to be in that situation. Nobody does. That's why you go pay a starting quarterback. So there's a little bit of both there, I think. But again, I think we go back to the ceiling. And it, it, it feels like uh, a lot like when the Chargers fired – Marty Schottenheimer after they went 14 and two, they were just like, well, you can't win the big one. And then they took a huge step back with North Turner over the course of that tenure. It's, and it's the grass is always green on the other side, but is it actually that green? Like is the next option that good? I don't know. And I think, again, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves because there is so much left in this season to play. Okay. Like they can rattle off a number of wins here. Like if you look at their schedule, if you look at their schedule, I know it's tough. 
I see a soft spot. I see Giants, Panthers, spot. Giants, Panthers, and Commanders will be tough because I think their defense will show up for that one. And then it, it gets really tough throughout the rest of it. I, so you're going to have to rattle off some wins. You're going to have to get a win over the Eagles. And now I see on the road. I understand. <laughs> I understand now why you're looking ahead and thinking, oh man, catastrophe could be setting in. I, I mean, if you take it on a week to week basis, I mean, look, not to take it back to Cleveland, but the Browns did just beat the 49ers with Phil, with PJ Walker. Okay. Right. Crazy but, things but Nick, do happen. You can't, you can't keep expecting your defense to bail you out. And I think that's my concern about Dallas is when they start playing some of these higher scoring offenses, you can't keep expecting your defense to bail you out. You've got to start putting more points on the board. Yeah. And I think that's to me the one thing that's standing out about this this DAC team is you really don't know what you're getting week to week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You know what's funny is we, we spend this time talking about how Dak is being scrutinized so much and how so much of it revolves around him. And as the most important position in all of sports, it will, naturally, with one of the most watched teams in the world. But then you think about how Justin Herbert had a bad night tonight and how the only people that are going to talk about that are like the C block of a morning show (laughs) and the football heads on Twitter because it's the chargers. Like if you want to pick a pairing where this guy has room for error, it's the chargers, a team that can't ever play a normal game. And this was not a normal game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, And they're arguably in a worse situation. If you think about it uh, in terms of talent and what they have on both sides of the field and what their season looks like. But again, What's going to dominate the conversation? It's the team that you know quite well, the Dallas Cowboys. 
Well, and Stephen A. Smith, of course, was at the game, so I'm sure that there's going to be lots of talk about. Uh, in his cowboy hat. In his cowboy hat. It's a, yeah. it's a bit. People love to talk about it. But I don't know if people are going to still feel. I mean, how do you think that Dak is going to be talked about tomorrow after this game? Well, because media discussions so often are driven by hate, <laughs> just to put it plainly, uh, there will be some worthwhile criticism of his play. But again, I you don't go win this game without him. I mean, some of the plays that he made in this game, yeah, yeah he missed a couple down, throws. Right? Yeah. But yeah, he missed a couple throws, but he also found some guys and he was on target on time a number of times. Like I'm doing QB index this year and I'm going to look at this game and think, I don't know if I want to move him up, but he's not going to move down. And whereas Justin Herbert's going to move down off of performance like this. So you have to be happy with those results, even if they're not spectacular. It's not going to be spectacular every week. He's not going to throw for 350 every week, but you're right. But, it will be talk like that. But I think what this game showed you is, can you start getting Brandon Cooks more involved? I mean, I think a lot of us here in Dallas have been asking ourselves, he runs a 4-3-40. You went out and got a vertical deep threat. And I think at one point in the game, and I don't know if this was still the case uh, when the game ended, they only had one pass of over 20 yards mm -hmm. i mean granted the chargers did a good job of isolating some of those big plays but the cowboys are afraid of the deep shots this year yes they are they are i mean they... they're taking some of them but i just saw a recent report my buddy patrick walker over at dallascowboys.com wrote it was a fascinating article mike mccarthy for the most part he just avoided the middle of the field leading mm -hmm. up to the 49ers game just just completely ignored the middle of the field and so i just i'm i still i i've reached out to somebody and I've asked them, is some of this play calling lately, is it a concerted effort to eliminate some of the interceptions last year? They didn't want to comment on that. You know, it was, what, <laughs> sort of, it was sort of one of those, no, that's not the case, blah, blah, blah. But for all of us watching it, we can't help but ask that question. I think it's a fair question. Yeah. It's been a major talking point throughout the offseason and into the season, and it's affecting his play. I think that you're trying to protect your quarterback from making those mistakes again and trying to keep his confidence high. But at the same time, if you're actually going to maximize the potential of this offense, you do have to throw the ball down the field, especially when you have a guy like Brandon cooks who has not made, I mean, I, I looked at the stats tonight. He tied his single game high this year for receptions with four and his single, and he set a new yardage mark at 34. That's not Brandon cooks. No matter where he's been, he's made a difference. He's been on a number of teams and he's made a difference on all of them. And, and he could do the same thing for this team, but they got to figure it out. So, and he that, looked great in camp. I mean, I think yeah. for all of us that were watching Brandon and Dak in camp, that was the most solid connection on the field. And tonight was really the first night that we've started to see them utilize him. And he stepped up in a big way in the second half for you. Uh, you have two incredible throws, like CeeDee Lamb. The fact that they weren't really going to him last week, that was confusing. And then you finally get him the ball this week and you see what he can do. It was a couple of weeks ago. CD was frustrated then, and he just said, we were talking about the red zone woes, and he said, just get me the ball, and I'm going to get it in, and he did in that game, and after last week, he said, get me the ball. Good things are going to happen. They did that today. Good things were beginning to happen, so I just feel like there's times when Mike McCarthy, and, and again, that's why I keep going back to you, is this Dak checking out of certain plays, because there are, are certain situations too, Nick, where if you're looking at the game, Dax had guys open and it's like he's not seeing them. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to go to is that I think he is hesitant to take the shot. Um, yeah, there was actually there was a play. 
I was messaging our fellow writer Kevin Patrick tonight during the game where it, it resulted in a sack and he had a an option on the right Ferguson? side. It was a wheel route. It was it was Jalen Tolbert. Mm. He was open and he saw him and he had a little hitch, a little pump fake. Like, I want to throw it, but I'm not sure I want to throw it because it's Jalen Tolbert and I don't trust him and now I'm sacked. I don't want to make take the risk. Not taking the risk will burn you eventually. Eventually he's going to have to. Plain and simple, well, he's going to have to. The thing that I, you know, because I hadn't really seen too much of Brock Purdy play this year. You know, when you're focused on one team, you're not watching some of these other yeah. teams as much. Brock just looks so confident, decisive, and convicted uh, under center, watching him last week. Yeah. And then you watch Dak, and it's like you're watching him process things in real time sometimes. That's why it's fascinating to me that beginning of the season, I think he was one of the quick, he had one of the quickest releases getting the balls out, like 2.3 seconds. It feels longer sometimes. Like watching Dak sometimes this year, it just feels like he's processing too much information. The only way I can liken this is do you play golf? Yes. Okay. I don't know about you, but if you go out on the golf course, I've had golf coaches, I've had friends, you go out on the golf course and everyone's giving you a piece of information. Yeah. And so I find that typically when I go up, I go up and get ready to tee up, I'm going through like a four, five point checklist. Yeah. And it's almost like you overthink it too much. And that's what it feels like watching Dak play is I feel like he's received so much information and he's getting so much messaging that it's like we're watching him process it in real time. That's the only way I can describe it sometimes when I'm watching him play. I had that happen to me on a bachelor party last summer where <laughs> I was hitting all my irons, just shanking right, shanking right. And I had like three people giving me different tips and I would do that part and it would fix it. And then somebody else would say something and it would screw it up again. And I just was like, all right, I'm just going to be bad for the day. And and maybe Dak just doesn't want to be bad for the day. Like he just wants to boil it down, but he knows that he's dealing with so many different things. I do think it's a fear of, of making a mistake. I mean, you hear it, he seemed like somebody who probably pays attention to the offseason narrative more than maybe your average player. It's hard not to when you play for the Cowboys. And last offseason, the whole thing was about how he led the league in interceptions. And that's not supposed to be what a franchise quarterback does. And he also probably, you know, knows the future is not entirely certain and deals with the pressure of needing to get the Cowboys to the next step. So all of that is probably uh, in play. But again, the good thing is, it's only week six. It's going to get tough, but it is. And you got the bye week, you know, a little vacation, a little R&R, reset a little and, bit. You're coming off a win. And Nick, you escaped this game without any injuries. Yes. So that, I think, was the biggest thing for the Cowboys because the guys that have been on the mend, uh, you took so many hits to your secondary uh, last week. Losing Leighton Vanderesh, I thought, was going to be a big deal. I will I will say this. Uh, we've talked a lot about offense and Dak tonight. When they lost Leighton Vanderesh last week, who is your quarterback on defense, he's calling the plays. I found myself deeply concerned about them this week, particularly going up against Austin Eckler. But I think they did a pretty good job limiting the oh, yeah. run. And that's been an area that sort of bit them. Now, I still do have concerns about the secondary. Uh, Chargers were really able to get things going uh, with the Palmer and uh, Keenan Allen. So I think Cowboys have got to be a little bit more mindful of that moving forward. We'll see if they even bring in some additional help there at corner. I don't know what else is out there at this point, uh, but I was encouraged at least by the play of the linebackers tonight in the absence of Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah, they even had a practice squad promotion, played pretty well in this game. Um, my biggest concern for the Cowboys outside of Dak, which I think he's just going to be up and down. That's who he is. And he's it's never going to be somebody who I think is deserving of a place beyond like 10 in the QB index, but could get up there sometimes and will sit linger right beneath it for most of it. Um, 
Tyler, Tyler Smith did not have a game that, and I got to go back and watch it again on the actual tape and not on the broadcast, but there were a few moments where I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, this is a young guy, and I thought he played really well as a rookie for the most part. But, um, you know, you go into the bye week, you might need to spend a little bit extra time looking at this tape and, and fixing some things. But, yeah, which defensively, is, I, is, I feel – Which is interesting because Tyler, Tyler, who's in his second year, they've moved him from, you know, left guard. Uh, he's been all over. Knuckle. He's been all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I watch the tape as, as closely as you do on Tyler Smith, so I'm going to have to go back and look at it because normally he's not the one we're talking about. Yeah, You know, we see some of these ridiculous holding penalties sometimes this offensive line at inopportune moments. But Tyler, I I feel like, you know, that was such a heavily scrutinized draft pick for the Cowboys when they took him in the first round two years ago. And not only did he start last year, I mean, I remember right out of the gate, the Cowboys are getting ready to play the Bucks, and Tyron Smith goes down. And you're like, wow, now we've got to ask this rookie to fill in for our all-pro guy, and he did a Tyron good job. Smith. And he did a great job. And then you got yeah. Terrence Still back, and you didn't need – um, Tyler, Tyron Smith over there at right tackle. You're able to move Terrence back over there and move Ty- Tyron back over to the left side. And it was the starting five that you've always uh, been looking for. I got a little nervous for the Cowboys when Zach Martin was slow to get up uh, this week. You know, he got a little banged up last week. It's like, come on, you don't need any more help, any more guys getting hurt on the offensive line. So I thought the biggest thing for me taking away from this game uh, was one, like I said, seeing Brandon Cooks get going, seeing CeeDee Lamb get his confidence back, get utilized, but also more importantly, getting out of this one and not having the injuries. Yeah. And you talk about Zach Martin. That's the one guy more than anybody that you can trust in the offensive line. So you definitely need him to be on the field. Yeah. Defensively, I don't feel too bad about them. Um, I think that, you know, you you talk about some of the, you know, personnel, the depth on the back end. I, I still feel good about this group. Save for that strange game against the Cardinals when they couldn't stop a nosebleed on the ground. Um, they've been pretty solid throughout the season. So I think that's still going to be their strength uh, as they figure out offensively. Uh, going back to the Chargers real quick before we wrap this up. You talked about you were worried if they were going to run the ball well. Team net rushing total 53 yards. Austin Eckler averaging a incendiary 1.9 yards per pop. Really, uh, they they have a lot to fix there. And, I, and I'm not sure. You know, I, I watched... Um, Colts Titans or sorry Colts Jags this week and the whole second half of the broadcast was I don't know how you can perform when you're so one-dimensional in offense because you have no running game it felt like the same thing for the Chargers you know that last drive I look at Herbert and you're sitting here thinking how is the defense going to blow this I'm sitting there thinking how is he going to cover 70 yards like he (laughs) he has no time to throw so I think um, I'm pretty concerned about them at two and three you know, taking a quick look ahead uh, at their schedule, you know, while the Cowboys go into the bye week, the Chargers actually just came out of the bye week. It does not get easier for them. They get the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Ooh. next week. So not going to say chalk that one up as an L, but that's going to be real tough. Then you get Chicago, which may or may not have Justin Fields at that time. And then you face the Jets, who are going to be an even tougher challenge defensively than the Cowboys were tonight and the Lions after that. <laughs> so it's going to be a tough month ahead. You that's better hope. Yeah, you better hope that they pull out one or two wins there or uh, – Brandon Staley watch is going to ramp up real quick, but I think that's going to do it for us. Jane, it's been a pleasure to do this recap with you. I thought we did a pretty, pretty good job. Well, we got big shoes to fill with the boys, but you know, they're flying back from London and so honored that Greg and the guys asked me to fill in and uh, sorry for the raspy voice. Just getting back from ACL. It was a great music weekend. Oh, what bands did you see? Oh, 1975, Bob Moses, Odessa, Maggie Rogers. It was a good one. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you had a black. Well, I think you're probably in line for some sleep now. It's pretty late yes. here. We might as well wrap this thing up. <laughs> All right. <I'm> well, <laughs> for Jane Slater, I'm Nick Shook. This has been your Monday Night Recap. 
Thanks again to the boys as they travel back from London. They'll be back for the rest of the week. Until then, so long. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 